What's up? It's good to see uh, all of you tonight. I'm glad that you are here. Hey, if you didn't get a note sheet as you walked in the door and you want to take notes, there's some sitting over there on the uh, black high table, some pens, clipboards. Uh, I would encourage you, as always, to take notes as uh, we go through this message tonight. Uh, so tonight, uh, uh, tonight's lesson kind of came to be about 2 o'clock yesterday. Uh, we had someone on our worship team get uh, quarantined on our adult worship team, and we're going to have uh, we're going to talk about wrap up the series talking about the uh, the importance of worship uh, this week. But that kind of got bumped to next week, uh, and so as I was sitting there, uh, just kind of thinking through, hey, hey, Lord, what do we need to talk about tonight? Uh, God really laid uh, this message on my heart. Uh, and if you recall, we started this series called Refocus uh, about three four weeks ago, and we started this series. Uh, by talking about the importance of scripture. And then we talked about the importance of community. And last week <laughs> was a very entertaining message, uh, <laughs> one that you may never see again. Uh, and we talked about the importance of prayer. And so again, tonight uh, is something that we added in last minute, but I, I fully believe this is a message that God wants us to hear. Uh, and as I was working through this message, I meant, man, like, I just started thinking, how did I leave this out? How did I settle on the four things that we were going to talk about and leave this one out? Because this is something, when I look at it, that I just realize how essential this is. If we're going to refocus our lives on Christ, as we've been talking about, is our goal in this entire series. This is something that is essential. And so tonight, we are going to talk about the importance of giving. The importance of giving. Uh, and giving, the reason I think it's so important for us to talk about is because it's not something that focuses on us. See, this whole series, we've been talking about what can we do to improve our relationship to Christ. And when we talk about the importance of giving, we're not necessarily asking, what can I do for myself, but what can I do for the person sitting next to me? What can I do for the person on the street corner? To help bring them closer to Christ. And as a result, as I bring them to Christ, also bring myself closer to Christ. So tonight is not about us. It's about what we can do for other people. And giving, frankly, can be just a really touchy subject for, for people to talk about. You know, typically, when we, when we think about giving, uh, we typically think of money. Uh, and nobody likes to be told, hey, I want you to give your money to so-and-so because people just, they, they like their money, right? And people get annoyed when someone comes up to them and says, hey, I want you to give, right? If you ever go to a Sunday service and the preacher's talking about giving, watch all the adults in the room. They're probably sitting there like this, right? Because no one likes to be told, hey, I want you to give your possessions away. We like what we have and we don't want to get rid of it. See, we like to sit here and we like to, to hear about the things that we can do to improve our lives, but then when it comes to what we can do for others, all of a sudden, the narrative switches, the narrative changes, the mood changes. And a lot of times we're not as interested in how we can improve others' lives as much as we are uh, interested in how we can improve our lives. And it boils down to this, that giving is a touchy subject because people are selfish. People are selfish. People are selfish in nature, and that's what makes giving such a touchy subject. Is by nature, we care about ourselves 
in a lot of ways more than we care about others. I want to read a, a couple of scriptures. Fair warning tonight, we're going to read a lot of scripture tonight. So as you're taking notes, I, I would encourage you write down these scriptures. They're going to be on the screen for us to read. But write down these scriptures so you can go back and, and read these. Uh, we're going to start out in Psalm 37, verse 21, and then we'll roll right into Matthew 19, 21. Here's what Psalm 37 says. It says, the wicked borrow and never repay, but the godly are generous givers. Matthew 19, 21 says this. Jesus told him, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then you can come follow me. You see, what we see is that people in our nature, we are born into sin, right? So we are born apart from God. And so by nature, we are people who are selfish, who are not givers. But God is saying, Jesus is saying that, look, people who follow Christ, disciples of Christ, they give. What we learn from these scriptures is that disciples give. I want us to look at uh, Matthew 25, 31 through 40. It's a little bit longer of a passage. Here's what it says. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it for me. You may recall uh, many sermon series ago, I, I shared with y'all a story, and I want to share it with you again. Uh, this happened probably, oh gosh, probably October of 2018. We were getting ready to go to Manly Man, and I had just gone to Winn-Dixie to pick up the steaks. You know, that, that's one of the tr traditions of Manly Man is we go pick up a bunch of New York strip steaks, and we go grill them. And so I was picking up the steaks at Winn-Dixie. And man, I'd probably drop $300, $400 on these steaks. It was uh, probably one of my proudest man moments uh, to drop that much money on steaks. But as I'm driving out of the parking lot, there's this lady sitting on the corner. And she just has a sign. You, you've, you, I know you've seen people do this before. And it just says, hungry, need help. Hungry, need, need a meal. And, and I started getting this, this nudge inside of me. Hey, Nathan, go to McDonald's. It, it's right there. Just... Go buy her Happy Meal. Go, just go buy her something. Or, you, know, you don't have to give her money, but go buy her something. Man, I've got the church credit card. Like, go buy her some, uh, some food and give it to her. She's hungry. And I said, ah, nah, you know, I, I, I'm running a little late for Manly Man. You know, I'm, 
I got to be there before anyone else does to set up, get ready for us to leave. I don't, I don't have time. I got to go home. I got to pack because I pack last minute. And, and so I, I turned the corner and went through that stop sign that no one knows why it's there. And, and I kept going, turned on the main street. And I, I kept hearing Nathan go back. Nathan, go back. Go back. And, uh, she's hungry. Go feed her. And I turned on the airport road. And instead of hearing that, that nudge of go, go, go feed her, it changed to I was hungry and you did not feed me. I was hungry and you did not feed me. See, I knew in that moment that that was the Holy Spirit saying, look, because you would not go serve her, you in that moment refused to go and serve Christ. And so what we see in this passage of scripture is one quality that Christ says that his disciples do. There's one quality that can be summed up out of everything there that Jesus said about his disciples. Those who will enter heaven is that they gave. They gave. They gave of their clothes in some instances. They gave of their money, their food, their time. But ultimately they gave. And and that's what Jesus is saying here is, is if you're going to be a disciple, if you're going to inherit the kingdom of God, you cannot be selfish. You have to give. You see, what we realize through the scripture is there is no such thing as a selfish disciple. There's no such thing. You cannot be a selfish disciple. The two do not go hand in hand because everything that Jesus says here in Matthew 25 is that disciples give. They're not selfish. And if we even break down what a disciple is, we come to understand that a a disciple is a student, right? In this case, a student of Christ, right? A disciple is a student who represents the teacher, who represents Christ and follows their instructions. So if we are going to be a disciple of Christ, if we are going to be a disciple that represents Christ, we have to give. If we're going to be a disciple that follows Christ, we have to give. There's no way around it. There's no way around it. Because Jesus is very clear that if we are going to be his disciples, we have to give. I want to read another passage of scripture to you out of the gospel of Luke. And just kind of to set the stage, some of you have have likely heard this story of the Good Samaritan. And just to kind of give you some context behind what's happening in this story, uh, the Jews were a group of people and the Samaritans were another group of people, right? They were from Samaria. And and the Jews and the Samaritans did not get along. They had a lot of beef for whatever reason. And they just like, if I'm a Jew and you're a Samaritan and we're passing each other in the hallway, we're not talking, right? And we might even throw some fists because we're not friends. We're rivals. I'm not helping you and you're not helping me. And so that should, that'll give you some context as to, to what's happening here. And here's what it says. One day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. He said, teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength and all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. 
The man wanted to justify his action, so he asked Jesus, who exactly is my neighbor? Jesus replied with a story. He said, a Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho. He was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side of the road. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I come here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits, Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. I want you to watch this video, which I think will will depict this a lot better. Thank you. 
Okay, so this parable that Jesus taught fully exemplifies what it should look like for us to give. And so I think if we take this parable, there's about four different things that I think we can gather from this on on what it looks like as a disciple of Christ to give. Here's the first thing. When we when we look at the 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 good Samaritan parable, the first thing we we come to understand is who we should give to. Who we should give to. And if we look at uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 30, uh, we come to understand who we should give to. Luke 6 says, give to anyone who asks, and when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. And so as we, as we look at this parable and then we look at the gospel of Luke, we come to understand that we should give to anyone and everyone who needs it. We should be willing to give to anyone and everyone who needs it. See, the the good Samaritan, the the Samaritan man here, he could have just kept walking by. He could have just kept walking by. Here's this Jewish man laying in the middle of the road, half beaten to death. And he could have let the cultural differences come between them. He could have let the beef that they had come between them. And he could have said, look, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. We don't get along, so screw you. Forget you. I don't need to help you. I'll let someone else come along and help you. Because what we saw from the the two Jews who walked by this Jewish man, the priest and the temple assistant, that's exactly what they did. They they see a man laying here who clearly needs help, and they said, someone else will help. Someone else will help them. And I just ask myself, if I was the man laying there in the dirt, what would I want? I would want the first person who comes by, no matter who they are, no matter what differences we may have, I would just want help. And if I would want that, then I should be willing to give that in return. So we see that we should be willing to give help to anyone and everyone. And we don't have to look any further than the the life of Jesus to understand that Jesus modeled this perfectly to us. See, Jesus could have kept walking past us. Jesus could have kept walking past you. He could have kept walking past me. Right? The, The amount of times in a day that I know I turn my back to God and don't follow him perfectly, why doesn't he keep walking? Because if I were him, I would probably keep walking. If I looked at Nathan and saw how many times that Nathan has not followed Christ, I'd say, really, you want my help after how you have not lived for me consistently? I would have kept walking. But Jesus, in his mercy, said, I'm willing to help anyone and everyone who wants it. Jesus is willing to help anyone and everyone who wants it. And and even though we turn our back to him, he still went to the cross for us. Jesus modeled perfectly what it looks like to give to anyone and everyone who wants it and needs it. Jesus doesn't let our differences get between us. He's always the one kneeling down in the dirt. Kneeling down in in our dirt. He comes down to us and offers us a hand to help. As we continue to look at this parable, we also can see how we should give. We see who we should give to, and we also see how we should give. 
we look back at Luke 6.30 there, and it, and it says, give generously. We also look at 2 Corinthians 9.7 and Matthew 6.2, and here's what they say. We'll start in 2 Corinthians 9.7. 2 Corinthians 9.7 says this. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Here's what Matthew 6, 2 says. When you do give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they have all received the reward they will ever get. So when we look at these passages of Scripture, there's really four things or four descriptions of what it looks like for us as disciples of Christ when it comes to giving, of how we should give. And the first is this, give generously. Give generously. Don't hold back. Don't hold back. If you see a need, don't meet it halfway. Let me tell you something. If you see someone in need and you only meet their need halfway, you're not meeting their need at all. You're not meeting their need at all. Give generously. And Jesus also says to give cheerfully. Don't go through and go, oh man, I gotta give. Man, I gotta help you. Do it cheerfully. Do it cheerfully. But also, Jesus says to do it humbly. All right, Jesus says, don't be like the hypocrite. Don't go out in the streets and say, hey, look at me. Look at how I helped this person. Look at how much money I gave. Don't go on Instagram and say, hey, look at how good of a Christian I am. Don't do that. You see, Jesus earlier talks about how those who give inherit the kingdom of God. But here Jesus says, if you're one of the people who goes out in the streets and says, hey, look at me, you're getting all the reward you're going to get. You're not getting the eternal reward. You're getting the reward here and now. And so Jesus says to give humbly, but he also says to give without expectation. To give without expectation. Now, this one is hard, and it's hard for me. And I, I give you a personal story from about two months ago. Uh, the church had just given us our Christmas bonuses. Uh, and I found myself at Target uh, going to buy a gift for the, the volunteer Christmas party. We were having a gift exchange. And so I was there in, in the Target parking lot, and I started hearing this music. Right, I started hearing this music, and some guy playing a violin, so I thought. And so I, he has a sign that he's playing the violin, and he has a sign that says, Hey, my kids and wife, we don't have a house. We're homeless. It's Christmas. We're hungry. And I, I went over. If you know Miss Kim, who's the children's pastor, I went over. I saw her, and she was standing in the parking lot. I said, Hey, what's up with this? Like, some guy playing the violin, and he was playing Hallelujah. It sounded fantastic. And I said, what's this guy doing? And she goes, oh, he's, you know, he's trying to get money. It's Christmas. He apparently doesn't have food or can't pay rent. I was sitting there. I was like, oh, boy. I know where this is going. And I, I could feel it in my wallet. I could just feel that $100 bill burning a hole in my pocket. And I just started feeling this nudge, like, hey, go give that $100 bill to him. And it was that same nudge that, just a couple years ago, as I'm in the same area, turned the corner and said, no, I'm not going to do it. I said, okay, this time I, I'm not going to, to ignore it. And so I go over there and I, <laughs> you know, I take the $100 bill. And this, I mean, you should have seen his face. He was so happy. And 
he got this big smile on his face. His wife sitting there saying, thank you, thank you. I put it in there. I just kept walking to the store. And I felt pretty good about myself. You know, I was like, okay, like I, I, I answered, I, I followed what God wanted me to do. Yeah, you know, it kind of stinks like, you know, I was going to buy some, you know, put it towards some new tires that I was going to buy, you know, use $100 for something. And, but that's okay. I don't really need the $100. Anyways, uh, you know, better serve him. And so went through that night. I'm sitting in the Chick-fil-A parking lot the next morning getting ready for Bible breakfast. I, I see this text on my phone from Miss Kim, and it's an article. And the article headline reads, Scam artists from Texas <laughs> play the violin and instruments play for money. And it turns out what all these, what, what these people were doing is they had a recording going. See, it was an electric violin, so I didn't think anything about it, but he was playing a, a recording behind it. He wasn't actually playing the violin. And he was just there pretending to play, pretending that his life was this huge mess to just get people to give money to him. And at first, I was, I mean, I was, I was furious. I went back um, to the parking lot the next after Bible breakfast, and I went into Hobby Lobby, and I said, "Hey, you see this article? You see this man? Don't let him stand in front of your store and play because he's ripping people off." And I got to church, and I started thinking about it, and I, I vented to Rob, and I vented to a bunch of people about it, and I just, I was mad. And I began thinking about it a little later, and. What do I have to be mad about? Like I, I genuinely felt like the Lord was telling me to go bless this man and give. And when we do give, when God does call us to give, he doesn't give us the insight of how that person's going to use the gift or, or, or what their full background and life story is. We're, we don't get that information. We just get told, hey, this person, you need to give to them. And we're not told to give with expectation of what they're going to do. We're not even told to give with expectation that they are who they say they are. Or they need what they say they need. We're just told to give. And, and that was a valuable lesson for me in that moment of, hey, no, that guy wasn't what you expected. But God didn't call Nathan and lead me in that moment to give with the expectation that he was who he said he was. So that is what I would tell you is how should we give? We should give without expectation. We should give without expectation. And, and my prayer for that man is that, hey, I, I hope that $100 blessed you. I hope you did need that more than $100. But Jesus does not call us to be disciples who give with expectation of what people will do with the gift or that they are who they say they are. Jesus just calls us to give without expectation. Then we've got to ask ourselves, when should we give? When should we give? And if we think back to Luke 6.30, it, it very clearly says that we should be giving whenever there is a need. Whenever there is a need. And if we look at this, the parable of the Good Samaritan, we see that there was a need and the need was met. The need was there and the need was met. But I want to... I want to caution you not to be like the first two people who just walked by. Do not walk by the need. Do not walk by the need. If you see the need, meet the need. And don't walk by. 
the final thing I think we see through this parable is what should we do? There's three things that I think we should give. Three things. The first thing is time. And the good, the good Samaritan shows us this. The good Samaritan took time out of whatever he was doing. Right, whatever he was doing, he stopped to meet the need. He sacrificed his time to meet the need of the Jewish man. See, we all have time. You all have time. You, you, you cannot sit there in the chair that you're in and say, I don't have time. You, we all have the same amount of time in a day. We all have 24 hours. The difference, though, is how we choose to use it. Now, you may be sitting there saying, well, I don't have enough time. The, the real answer is you have enough time, but you're not spending it in the right way. You're not spending it in a way that enables you to give. You're not spending it in a way that allows you to serve others. Here's the thing is the good Samaritan had time. And it, when he was confronted with a need, he chose to say, I'm going to restructure, reorganize my time so that I can meet the need. So that I can meet the need. And you may be finding yourself in, in the middle of doing something when you're confronted with a need and you're going to be faced with an option. Either you keep spending the time that you, the way you want to spend it or you reorganize your time. You rethink how you're spending your time and say, look, yes, my time is valuable. Yes, what I'm doing is important, but I'm going to pause my time and I'm going to give my time to them. You have time. Everyone has time. But we have to be willing to sacrifice our time if we're going to meet the needs of others. The second thing is treasure. I don't mean gold. I don't mean money. Look, you're teenagers. You don't have a lot of money. Or if you do, you probably don't want to just go blow it. If you're smart, that is. But we all have possessions. We all have possessions. We all have things that we can give to help others. We all have things that are important to us, that if we're willing to sacrifice, if we're willing to give, man, if I would just go through my closet and take out the clothes that I haven't worn in five years that I'm never going to wear again, then I could bless someone with that. And if I would just sacrifice some of the possessions that I have, I could meet need all over this town. And so could you. Man, some of you high schoolers, you have a car. You have possessions. I'm not telling you to go sell your car or give it to someone, but you can get someone a ride if they need it. Right? We've all got possessions. We've all got treasures. right? And, and if we're willing to use those, and I'm not saying that's how you meet a need every time, but I'm just saying if a need is met and you have something in your possession that can meet the needs of others, be willing to use it. Be willing to use it. The third thing is third thing is talent and and this isn't just something that you're really really good at this is just plain old being able to do something and, and all the time I, I hear students and people say man I can't give because I don't have this or I can't give because I'm not good at that and I just want to tell you that is a lame excuse that is a lame excuse and it doesn't float it doesn't hold water let me give you a couple examples of people just in this ministry. I mean, if we just look back there at that booth, that sound booth, it's filled with people 
who were not experienced in what they're doing right now. Will Ersprich is sitting on the, the camera slider, picked it up last week, and now he's running our live stream. Sophie is running slides, and she picked that up a couple weeks ago. Will got moved to sound a couple weeks ago. And Wesley's back there running a lights program that gets more and more complicated every week. Right? They didn't walk into this being experts, but they said, hey, I, I can do something. Uh, Sophie said, I can click a space bar and click the computer, and I can learn. I can learn, and I can meet that need. You, you, when, when we're worshiping, you're looking at a whole bunch of people who have talent, who are giving other time who have treasure, and they're giving it. Now, they didn't all just become good musicians or good singers overnight, but they said, hey, I'm willing to learn. Hey, I'm willing to serve. The same thing for you is you can do things. It may not always be what you want to do, but you can do things. You have the ability to do things. You have opposable thumbs. You have hands that move. You have feet that walk. You can do things. And you may not be Albert Einstein, or you may not be a, an NFL football player. You may not be the most talented person in this room. But if you are willing to say, hey, I can be useful, and I can learn how to do something, then you can meet a need. Because it just boils down to you saying, hey, what do you need me to do? There's a need. What do you need me to do? And how can I meet the need? See, no one in need expects you to be an expert or to be the most talented person in the world. They're just asking for some effort. They're just asking for some effort. Now, I, I'm going to pick on Sophie again. A couple weeks ago, I, I got a text from her after youth one night and just says, hey, I want to help. What do you need? What do you need? I want to help at youth. What do you need? Uh, and looking here at the uh, some of these middle school girls, like, man, they saw Tina working during open dock on the concession stand, running back and forth, back and forth, and they said, hey, let us run concessions and do dinner, and they do an awesome job with it. See, that, that's where it starts is you see a need, or you recognize that, hey, there might be a need there, and it just starts with the question, hey, how can I help? What do you need? I, I don't know if I can be the best, but I can I can be somebody. I can offer my time. Maybe I can offer something I've got, a skill. I can just do what you, what you need. But what do you need? How can I help? You see, it, it boils back down to when you see a need, offer a solution. When you see a need, offer a solution. But ultimately, here's what it boils down to is, we have to desire to give. You have to desire to give. You have to desire to give instead of being selfish. Because again, our, our, our nature, naturally, we are selfish people. Naturally, we are selfish. And so we have to say, I want to give. I want to give. So how can I give? How can I help? We have to recognize that, hey, in and of myself, Nathan's pretty selfish. Nathan doesn't always want to give. But I have to ask the Lord to make that a desire of my heart 
that when I see someone in need, my reaction isn't, oh, I've got better things to do, but my reaction is to walk up to that person and say, how can I help you? How can I help you? No, giving is not something that's fully focused on us. It's not. But I can tell you that many of the times in your life where you will be blessed the most is when you're blessing others. Where you're giving instead of receiving. Now I can count probably more times than not that when I've given to someone, man, the reward of just knowing that I was able to bless that person personally blessed me. And as I was sitting there yesterday just thinking through this, I was like, man, how could I miss this? Because giving was such a big part of the nature of Christ. Christ gave everything he had. And Christ called his disciples to leave behind everything that they had to come and follow him. And I was sitting there going, Nathan, you dummy. Like, how could you miss this? How could you miss, say, if we're going to refocus our lives on Christ, how could you miss that one of the biggest things that we have to do is give? (laughs) And it sounds strange. It, it, It sounds like it wouldn't be true. But as we refocus on giving, our lives will refocus on Christ. As we focus our lives on helping lead others to Christ, our relationship with Christ will go deeper. And and, and so I think it's so important that if in 2021 we're going to accomplish our goal of refocusing our lives on Christ, that refocusing on the importance of giving has to be right in the center of us refocusing on community, scripture, worship, and prayer. It's got to be in the center. As we pour into ourselves, we also have to pour out into others. And and with each week, uh, there's been an opportunity for you to practice what what we're preaching. And so this week in small groups, uh, tonight, you're going to have an opportunity. And some of you have done this before, especially if you went to Firestarters, you've done this before. But every student's going to do this. And what it'll show you is, hey, what can I use to give? What can I do to bless others? Hey, what are some of the talents that I have that I can use to bless other people, that I can use to draw others to Christ? Because I fully believe that as we bless other people, as we refocus on giving, our lives will refocus on Christ. Heavenly Father, Lord, we, we thank you for this time. We thank you for the blessing that it is to be able to come and and sit in this place, Lord, and and worship your name, to dive into your word. Lord, we thank you that you're a God who seeks us out. We thank you that you're a God who has never turned your back against us. We thank you that you're a God who gets down in the dirt and lifts us up who offers us a helping hand when we need it most. Lord, just as you give to us, Lord, help us to be quick to give to other people. 
Lord, help us to refocus on the importance of giving. Lord, help us to become people who, when we're confronted with a need, our instinct is to meet the need, not to run from it, not to turn the other way. Lord, help us to be compassionate. Help us to care. Help us to be generous. Help us to put differences aside so that we're not just helping our friends, we're not just helping ourselves, we're willing to help anyone who needs it. Lord, I dare say that the people in this room aren't just the only ones who need this. This entire world needs a reset on what it means to care for others. So Lord, I pray that you, you would help us to be the change. I pray that you wouldn't let us be people who sit on the sides and say, I'll wait for other people to start meeting needs. I'll wait for other people to start caring before I do. Lord, help us to be the start of the change. Help us to be the ones who say, Lord, I'm going to care. I'm going to meet the need when no one else wants to. Lord, I I realize that several of the the people in this room tonight, Lord, they they don't believe, they they don't know you. Some are angry at you. Some feel like they've been hurt by you or the church. Lord, I feel that. Lord, I pray that just touch their hearts. Lord, that you would just reveal how much you truly love them. Lord, that you would speak truth to the hurt. That you would speak truth to the lies. Reveal yourself to them. Show them that you are a God who cares for them and who loves them. Lord, I thank you for these foods. I pray as we Hey everyone, this is Nathan Sell, the youth pastor at Destin United Methodist Church. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. My prayer is that the Lord would use this podcast as an opportunity to speak life into you. I hope all of you know the love that the Lord has for you and that you are experiencing His blessings each and every day. God bless you and thank you for listening.